What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Motor City Hoops, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and Thunderous Applause, plus our coaching-focused podcasts. Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. That was a big win for the Wizards. If they lost that one, they would have been 2-9 and nine, uh, going up against the Utah Jazz pretty soon. Uh, Wednesday so to get that win playing against Phoenix team that was playing really well they were seven and three going into that game one of the best offenses and defenses in the league so to get that win was really big for the Wizards Uh, this episode um, I mean if you're listening first of all thank you for uh, tuning into the second episode um, of the Wizards Hoops Analyst podcast Um, yeah so um, I'm gonna be talking about the Wizards against the Suns I'll be talking about a little bit of news too with obviously Thomas Bryant and Russell Westbrook's injury and uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. This is my first time doing a kind of gamer type thing, and I'm going to do this for every game. So uh, I'm going to figure out the best way to do this eventually. So uh, bear with me for the first one. So going into this game, the Suns were fifth in offense and uh, entire league. This is all um, per cleaning the glass. Um, fifth in offense and sixth in defense. Um, they were seven and three, uh, one of the better teams in the league. I think they had the third best record coming in this game. So, and then the Wizards obviously coming in without Russell Westbrook and Thomas Bryan, you know, that it made me a little nervous, but the Wizards ended up destroying the Suns. That game, you know, wasn't even close pretty much from near the start. Um, so a really good win for the Wizards, really important. Uh, some of the stats from this game are crazy. I'm going to be going over them. Um, yeah, so first of all, I'm just going through, uh, four factors type of things. Uh, I guess the idea behind the four factors is just like, um, they kind of give the idea of how the game went, and it's uh, points per possession, uh, effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound uh, rate, and free throw rate. Um, yeah, so the, the points per possession, the offense just kind of told the whole story of the game. The Wizards um, were 134.7 in terms of offensive rating, and the Suns were 112.6 in terms of offensive rating, and <laughs> you can't win a game if you're allowing 22 more points per 100 possessions. Like the pace of this game actually wasn't that fast. Um, the Wizards had 95; they both had 95 possessions, so the pace was 95. Like that's a little bit below average, uh, which is you know kind of how the Suns have been playing this first kind of stretch of the season, especially with the new acquisition of like Chris Paul, like Javon Carter doesn't really push the ball. So those two guys, you know, combined like Devin Booker is not going to run it down your throat at all. Um, and they also didn't have campaign who kind of does provide some of that, um, you know, kind of pushing the ball. Uh, so yeah, pace was a little slow and the Suns, you know, they're overall, they, they actually didn't score that like poorly. Um, it was really their defense that kind of just let them down. Um, so the Wizards' effective field goal percentage was 60.3%. Uh, Suns was 47.7%. Um, both their turnover rates were really low. Um, offensive rebound rates, Wizards was really high. Suns was low. Um, you know, give the Wizards extra possessions. That's part of why 
uh, their points per possession was so high just because they were able to grab, you know, a good amount of offensive rebounds. And then free throw rate, Suns was really high. You know, as usual, playing as the Wizards, they foul a lot. And uh, the Wizards was about average. Um, just in terms of, like, where shots were taken, like, this game this game is just, like, such a huge outlier in terms of that. It's so crazy. So um, usually teams try to get shots at the rim, right? Those are the most efficient shots in the game. And the Suns took three shots at the rim this whole game. <laughs> and the, the Wizards took six shots at the rim this whole game. That's that's ridiculous. That's I don't even know how to describe that. That's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, anyway, so from like floater range, uh, which is like inside the paint but not in the restricted area, um, the Suns took 30 shots, and they were 21 for 30, which is really good, 70%. Um, but again, you want to get a little bit closer in uh, if you're the Suns. Um, but part of that also is just the presence of Robin Lopez. He... Um, they were dropping a little deeper in this game compared to like what Thomas Bryant usually does. And also Mo Wagner uh, was also dropping a little deeper in it. Like that, that's an easier coverage to play than like what the U- Wizards have ran before where they're kind of, the bigs were up a little higher. Um, so I kind of like that adjustment from Brooks. I talked about that in the intro pod, um, just making that adjustment and the Wizards did. And you know, the Suns didn't get a lot of shots at the rim. Also like Aiton didn't do anything this game. Um, so he was in the presence at the rim. And besides him, they don't have any, like Booker doesn't get to the rim too much. And Chris Paul doesn't get to the rim too much. Uh, Jay Crowder doesn't get to the rim too much. Sarge doesn't get to the rim too much. So like they don't have anyone that really gets to the rim besides DeAndre Ayton just like finishing plays. And the Wizards did a good job of just preventing that from happening. Um, Ayton, Ayton, I, don't know, I don't know where he was. He looked out of it. Um, but Wizards only had six shots at the rim. That's just weird. They had 30 shots from floater range, which again is inside the paint. But um outside the restricted area and they're 18 for 30 which also pretty solid um for mid-range the suns were 12 for 27 which is 44 percent, which is not ideal that's not good. <laughs> that's not what you want um and then the wizards from mid-range were 10 for 22 also not what you want but they didn't shoot as many um the wizards shot really really well from three in this game uh which really the wizards overall shot uh very good for pe- percentage from three sorry uh at 43 43- 43.8% and the sun shot 15.4%. So, you know, you're not <laughs> you're not going to win much game shooting that poorly from 3. And then when the other team uh shooting so well from 3 and the Wizards made 44ish percent on a pretty good volume, they were 11 for 25 from above the break, which is unbelievably incredible. Um and then from the corner, uh from left corner 3 for 6, right corner 1 for 3, so combined 4 for 9 from the corner, which is also really good. And then the Suns just didn't shoot well from 3 at all. They're 2 for 15 above the break, 1 for 4 in the corner, uh left corner, 1 for 7 in the right corner. You know, just the shots weren't falling for them. Like they got some good looks. Um like players like Saric, like he just couldn't find the bottom of the net tonight. Uh also like just no one on their team could hit a three. Uh, Booker scored 33 points. Like, he had a pretty good game. But, uh, again, defensively, he he's Devin Booker. Like, he's not doing much. And then from three, he didn't shoot that many. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, he was in foul trouble a lot. So he, you know, didn't have his best game, which was good. And, like, when he was out there, like, this, this is what I thought was really strange. When he was out there, he wasn't guarding Bradley Beal. Like, I think that Mikhail Bridges is a really good, like, on-ball defender, especially, so, where Mikhail Bridges, I, where I've seen him play really well, I guess, like, I haven't watched a ton of Suns basketball in the past, but where I've seen him play really well is just, um, like, thwarting, like, off-ball actions, and, um, I would have loved to, well, not love, because I want the Wizards to win, obviously, I love the Wizards, but, um, if I were the Suns, like, if I were a Suns fan, I would want to see him on Beal, because the Wizards run so many interesting, like, off-ball actions with Beal, um, and I think Mikhail Bridges could have done a really good job of like sticking to Beal, like lock and trail. Like, so really what you got to do against Beal, cause he's such a good cutter, um, like cutting back door, like it's really hard to, uh, top lock him. And like whenever teams top lock him, Beal just so easily cuts back door and gets like layups and passes to the corner. Like you saw it at the end of the 
first quarter, I want to say, where Beal, like they were top blocking Beal with Devin Booker, I want to say. Maybe not. Um, but maybe Cam Johnson, someone like that. And he just cut back door, passed it to Isak Bonga in the corner, wide open three, you know, really nice on the quarter play. Um, so you really do have to lock and trail Beal. Um, and I think Mikel Bridges could have really done that, especially with his like crazy arms. <laughs> like his arms are so insanely long. Uh, so that's part of why he's so good in that area. But again, he was in foul trouble, but uh, yeah, he was guarding, I think, uh, Denny Avdia uh, to start the game. And they're just like not worrying about him and just having him help. Um, which I guess makes sense because he is also like a good help defender. Uh, they're kind of doing the same thing with Chris Paul. So, I mean, it makes sense like for them to be doing that, but I think that it would have made more sense for Mikhail Bridges to just stick to Bradley Beal and lock and trail him all game long. Something else that helped the Wizards is um, uh, the Sun center situation. Um, I don't, so Kaminsky didn't play, which, I mean, he hasn't been on the team that long. Um, and then who Jalen Smith? Uh, who was like the 10th pick in the draft this year. Uh, he is out because of the COVID tracking thing. Um, so DeAndre Aiden played 25 minutes. He was bad. Uh, he was four for 10. He only scored eight points. He didn't do anything defensively. He was minus 23, which, you know, obviously not good. And then like their backup centers, like Damian Jones, like Damian Jones really like honestly shouldn't, like he's not like a rotation level MVP player. I'll just put it that way. Like I'm surprised he got signed this off season. Um, so yeah, him playing 12 minutes, uh, is not necessarily what you want. And then they're playing a lot of Sarge at small ball five. And like, I understand like playing Sarge at small ball five. Like if you have Sarge as your small ball five and you're just like running a ton of pick and pop and stuff like that, um, then that can actually be pretty interesting. Um, just in terms of having really good offense, but then you are giving stuff up on defense, but at the end of the day, they weren't giving up too much on defense just cause like the wizards weren't attacking the rim too much. Um, as I said earlier with it, they only shot like six shots at the rim. So uh, yeah, but Sarge on the floor, it just didn't like his jumper wasn't falling. And then the thing, like if you're going to pick and pop, usually you want to do that with a guard that can get to the rim. Um, because that kind of opens up, it kind of like puts the big in limbo where they're kind of like guarding the guard. Um, and then like someone else has to switch onto the big. Cause that's like, it's, it's hard to guard a pick and pop. Um, you kind of have to either like get around the screen really well or do that late switch. And then like you have CP3 working on, you know, whoever like Mo Wagner, uh, which obviously doesn't go well most of the time. But um, it does work better when you have a guard that can really get to the rim and then distribute, and the Suns don't have that guy. Um, so I guess that helped the Wizards out with going with Saric, and that's going to be interesting to watch, just the Suns' backup center situation, uh, especially if Aiden isn't playing well, because uh, that, that's something that really, really helped out the Wizards. Um, so just to talk about like some of the Wizards players, um, obviously Bradley Beal <laughs> is awesome. Uh, he scored 34 points. Uh, I don't remember how much he had in the first half, but it was over 20, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was plus 19, uh, 12 for 22, only two for seven from three, but eight for nine from the line. Again, he's been looking really good getting to the line. That's part of why, um, you know, I guess the shots at the rim weren't as high because they were getting fouled a lot, especially Beal. Um, and he looked really, really good as a distributor. He had nine assists. Um, and again, uh, Scott Brooks, that's like where he thrives the most to me is just drawing up plays for Beal, um, having him run off a ton of screens. He uh, ran this one really interesting action that I don't remember seeing too much of where like Beal kind of stood like not like all the way at half court but like a few feet beyond like where the hash is like if you extend the hash out a few feet into the middle of the court and then like a few feet behind that if that makes any sense and then so he would have Beal standing out there um and then whoever's guarding him like Booker would be standing like you know within like three feet of him and um so the Wizards passed the ball like it was like an elbow series type of thing where they'd give the ball to like uh, Robin Lopez at the elbow and Beal would just sprint running straight downhill uh, right to Lopez he'd uh, catch the ball off like a DHO but like not like a usual DHO where like the big is facing the sideline but like where he, like his body was like facing half court so like kind of like a step up ball screen DHO type 
thing, if that makes sense. And Beal would just like get to the rim and he'd just have like a runway down running at, you know, whoever the heck was out there, like Saric or uh, Aiton or whoever, like they couldn't stop. That was a really fun play. And then also, obviously, they ran the double pin down for Beal like 5,000 times because they love that play. I also love the Beal Iverson cuts. Um, I really, I got really nervous at the beginning of the game because like the first play of the game, the Wizards ran a Beal Iverson cut. And then when he came off that cut, there was so much hope in the lane just because like the Suns aren't really scared of Lopez shooting. Obviously, they're not scared of like Neto shooting, uh, not scared of Hachimura shooting, and they're not scared of Avdia shooting. So they have four guys who they're not really guarding from their perimeter. And they're just all helping off, like waiting for Beal. But, you know, Beal picks his spots. Uh, that's where like the mid-range game, like I know I love, anal- like I'm an analytics focused person, but at a certain point, the mid-range game does really help you out. And that kind of showed tonight with Beal because he could pick his spots in the mid-range and then draw the defense. And then he can like pick his spots from three and then that helps them all get to the rim and then it helps them distribute. Um, so that's kind of like if you, they, you make them guard you from mid-range, that does open up other aspects of your game. And Beal does that really, really well. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. I guess Neto, uh, he kind of got hurt defensively. Uh, I think he's more of a backup point guard. Like, I really, really like him as a backup guard, but just as a starting guard, um, you know, he he's not good enough defensively. But, like, I get the idea of starting him instead of, like, because like, who else are you going to start? Ish Smith, right? So, because um, he can shoot, he can spread the floor a little bit uh, where Ish Smith can at all. I'll get into Ish Smith a little later. Uh, Robin Lopez is a starting center, played pretty well. Um, you know, he did a good job defensively. Uh, at least tonight, um, despite, you know, he's pretty slow, but he he does have a high IQ. He knows where to be, and that's, you know, valuable. He's a good defensive rebounder. Um, Denny Avdia wasn't very good. Uh, he made a ton of defensive mistakes. Like, there are uh, times where he just, like, there's a couple times where he came down the court and, like, he had no idea who he was guarding. Like, there's this one time where um, he picked up Saric because he'd been guarding Saric part of the game, but his man was, like, Jay Crowder. And then Robin Lopez was on Jay Crowder, and like we all know how <laughs> Robin Lopez on Jay Crowder goes, so that was ugly um, when that happened. And then Rui had another weak game. Um, so, so something I'm concerned about, like, uh, is just Rui next to Robin Lopez, um, because no one is afraid of Rui shooting. He was 0 for one, but like he could have, you know, shot the ball a million times if he really wanted. Um, Rui likes to hang out near the dunk, like basket at the dunker spot, and like. Sometimes, like, that's that's where Robin Lopez needs to be because Robin Lopez can't do anything on the perimeter. Or at least, like, Rui, like, has a little bit of a handle. Like, he can, like, drive to the basket, stuff like that. Like, he looks... Like, he's not a wing. Obviously, he's a four, but he looks more like a wing than Robin Lopez. Um, so he kind of does need to be out on the perimeter more, but, like, he's not a threat to shoot the ball, uh, which she, it doesn't work. Like, there, there's this one play where... Um, who was it? It was Robin Lopez actually attacking from, like, the elbow area. Um 
I, I, I will say this first. I like elbow series with Robin Lopez. I think that he's like a fine passer. He can make some plays out of there. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, so I like that. And with like Beal running off, like, uh, the, the famous double pin down or, you know, whatever, uh, flare screen, um, they're running. Um, also single pin down, like, <laughs> Scott Brooks loves running Beal off screens and it's fun to watch. But anyway, back to, back to the point. So Robin Lopez had the ball at the elbow. He was like driving in and Rui was at like the dunker spot and like Rui tried to get out of the way, but he didn't really get out of the way. And then like Robin Lopez just had to like hand the ball off to Rui and they're both standing within like four feet of the basket right next to each other. It was like terrible. And I think Rui ended up hitting like some jump shot out of that, but it was an awful offensive possession. Like Scott Brooks, I think he has to mess around with the lineups. Like I don't think Rui and Robin Lopez can play next to each other. If I were Brooks, I'd start Bonga. Oh, I've said that a million times. I would definitely start Bonga. But um, yeah, Scott Brooks has to play around with that. Um, that didn't look good at all. And then also, so coming off the bench, uh, Bertans finally is back. Maybe. I'm don't, I don't want to speak too soon, but he was plus 20, 18 points, 6 for 9 from 3, 6 for 10 overall. Uh, it's exciting to watch him play when he can make a shot, um, which, you know, he made six threes. Obviously, he was great tonight. Uh, I want to see if that can continue. Uh, last season, he was like a 43, 44, 45% three-point shooter. This season, he's been 32%. Um, so hopefully, he can continue that because he adds a completely different element to the Swizzes team that they desperately need, and that's shooting. And um, he did bring that tonight. Uh, and that was exciting, uh, especially like it's so much fun to watch him coming off flare screens, watch him coming off pin downs. And, um, you know, what? sometimes like even if he's not uh, making shots, like the defense does scramble when he, you know, he's coming off a weak side pin down uh, or like he puts people in tough situations when like he's in the corner and the weak side corner defender has to decide if they want to help on the pick and roll or if they want to stick to their man. And, um, you know, having someone like that on the floor really, really does help out the Wizards. Um, I want to talk about, uh, let's see, who do I want to talk about next? Uh, Ishmith. I definitely want to talk about Ishmith. So Ishmith had six points, three for eight, um, over one from three, over four from the free throw line. Very typical Ishmith game to me. I I, <laughs> I like Ishmith. Like everyone in DC loves Ishmith. Uh, I get it. Uh, he has a really fun style of play. He has that like really hard crossover that like gets people a lot. And like, he's fun to watch, right? But um, I, I don't understand the theory of ever putting him on the floor next to Bradley Beal or like any guard, um, because he can't shoot. There's so many moments where like, like there's, uh, okay. There's one moment where Bertans, uh, he did a show and go, he drove to the rim. Um, and then three guys were all over him. He kicks to the corner to Ish Smith and then he shoots that like, you know, three point shot that, you know, you, when, whenever Ish Smith shoots a three, you're like, ah, uh, man. So, you know, that happened. Uh, and that was painful to watch. Um, but like guys don't respect his shot at all as they shouldn't, cause he can't shoot. And then it like hurts the team. Like Ish Smith needs the ball in his hands. He's going to, if he's going to be on the floor, he can't be on the floor with Bradley Beal, like period at all ever. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And then like defense, he's a liability. They try to ice like every screen Ish Smith like every time someone sets a screen on Ish Smith, I, you can hear Scott Brooks going, ice, ice, ice. And uh, eventually Monty Williams was just like, he, he told DeAndre Aiden just to um, re, like reverse the screen, uh, just switch sides of the screen every time you, Ish Smith tries to ice it and then it, <laughs> you don't do anything. Um, so yeah, Ish Smith is a defensive liability. Um, and he needs to work on his shot selection. Like some of these pull-up mid-range jump shots are so painful. Like he, when he gets a switch, he can't shoot over the big. He needs to take it. He, he's a bad mid-range jump shooter. 
And um, it's fun to watch him when he's like, you know, he gets in his bag. He does those like crossovers between the legs, uh, spin moves types things. Um, and then like he can drive and kick. Um, he can drive and dish. Like he's really good at that drop down pass or he's really good at um, what's it, gnashing the ball like around, like when you dribble the ball and keep going around the rim and then like finding shooters or finding uh, cutters. Like he's good at that. Uh, that's really what he needs to focus on instead of doing like, you know, pull up mid-range jump shoes. I'm not sure. <laughs> Westbrook must be in his ear too much. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Last person I probably want to talk about is Garrison Matthews, of course. Um, Garrison Matthews, well, not the last person, but Garrison Matthews was awesome. Uh, he runs around defensively. He's, he's not the best defender, um, and he didn't sh- have the best shooting night tonight, but he was plus 13, 11 points, 3 for 9 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, uh, 2 for 2 from the line. Um, just the effort he brings is always great. I really like him in the rotation, I think. Uh, he should be, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th man. Like, he should he should be one of the first few people off the bench every game just because he brings a whole new element to this team. Uh, just in terms of what he brings from an energy and effort level. So that's really exciting. All right, uh, I also just want to mention uh, Mo Wagner. He's actually a solid backup. He was better than I thought. Um, he's pretty solid offensively. I wish that defensively, like, he does that thing where he tries to take so many charges. Like, just put your hands up. Like, if Javon Carter is driving down at you in the lane, there's no need to try to take a charge. <laughs> just just put your hands up. Like, I, I don't understand some that sometimes. But um, so I next person, well... Troy Brown and Jerome Robinson didn't get in the game. If you listen to the first pod, you won't know what I think about Troy Brown. I think he should definitely be playing. I don't know why he's not in the rotation. That That's a little frustrating to me. Um, also, Cassius Winston got his first NBA action. Uh, congrats to him. Um, but also, I think that this was the best game from Scott Brooks. Um, that may sound weird because he's a coach, but that was I think coaching is really important. I'm going to talk about this all season long. That was by far, to me, his best game um, because he mixed things up defensively. Um, like at one point in the first quarter, uh, right the second Chris Paul came out of the game, uh, it was like Javon Carter and no other ball handlers on the floor, like maybe Devin Booker. And then the Wizards went to like a 2-2-1, uh, you know, three-quarter court zone press, and then it kind of like fell back into a man defense. And that I thought that was interesting. It applied some pressure. It slowed them down. It like kind of disrupted their offensive rhythm. I love that. And also that was out of an ATO. Um, so, you know, whatever play Monty Williams drew up in the huddle, uh, they – couldn't execute correctly because uh, Scott Brooks went to that look. Um, I thought that was great. Um, at one point, Devin Booker came off the floor, and the Wizards went to a two-three zone. And um, you know, obviously, they me- they messed up the rotation on the zone. The first, like I think it was Avdia in the corner. Someone uh, I don't remember who it was, but whoever was um, the top person messed up the rotation. Uh, I think it was Ish Smith. Uh, he messed up the rotation on the first play, and Scott Brooks didn't go back to that. At one point, I think they played like a zone that shifted into a man after the first pass, and I thought that was really interesting, like just to give the defense a look of zone and then like have them try to get into a zone set and then switch into man. I love that. And then at one point, they were I think they were in like a box and one with Isak Banga on uh, Devin Booker for like one or two plays, and just like throwing a bunch of def- different looks at an offense can really like disrupt the rhythm. And I love that Scott Brooks started going to that. Like <laughs> uh, there. Report from Kevin O'Connor came out today that um, Scott Brooks is on the hot seat, like as he should be, right? Uh, he hasn't been doing a very good job, but um, today was just by far his best game. Just throwing a lot of different looks at the Suns definitely disrupted them in the first half. Uh, so that that was exciting. Uh, I guess the other thing I want to talk about. So that's that's probably all I got for this game. Uh, Wizards kind of dominated that game. This is a good game to do for the first uh, gamer pod. Uh, so the next thing I guess I want to talk about is just the impact. Uh, well. I'll do Thomas Bryant last. First thing I want to talk about is Russell Westbrook. Um, his outfit tonight was awful. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the heck he was wearing. It was like some jockey outfit. It was the number three. I'm trying to think about why the number three is significant to him. 
I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, so it was some weird jockey outfit. It was like green pants and a red jockey shirt. It, it was awful. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so he's out for a week. He has like quad soreness or something. Like I'm not questioning his toughness or anything. I know Russell Westbrook is super tough, um, but yeah, like he's he's getting up there in age. Like if he needs to take a week to recover, like that's fine. Uh, the Wizards so far in the three or four games they've played without him, they've honestly looked better than they do with him. Like the net rating numbers say that they're better on the court with him, and I'm gonna go by that for now. But just like. From the full games that they played without him, they actually do look pretty good. So I'm not too worried about him missing a week. Um, maybe he can get back into like a better mindset. Maybe he'll come back and be more explosive. Like maybe that's something that's been holding him back because uh, he has looked a little less explosive and he's looked a little tentative to attack the rim. So hopefully he's going to come back and be better. Um, yeah, so he's only out for a week. And so the Wizards play the Jazz next and then they play like the Cavs and the Pistons. So <laughs> no big deal. Um, hopefully uh, the Wizards, like if the Wizards win the next, like the beat two, beat the Cavs twice and beat the Pistons and then uh you know drop one of the jazz or like if they go two and two over the next 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 stretch they'd be like five and ten uh which is not awful but okay anyway back so thomas bryant is going to miss the rest of the season he had a partially torn acl um but for what i understand about a partially torn acl is um it's like the same surgery as a when you fully tear your acl so like just partially tearing it doesn't mean that you're going to come back quicker so usually with an ACL injury, I think players miss like nine months at the minimum, nine-ish. Uh, so nine months from now would be like the start of next season. Uh, so he's obviously going to miss his full season. Like there's no chance of him coming back, uh, which sucks for the Wizards. Like he, and it sucks for him. Uh, he was having his best season. Uh, like I said in uh, the first podcast, like I love his energy. I love his effort level. And um, he was looking good on offense. Uh, he was going to have his best season of his career by far. And Unfortunately, he's going to have to wait until next year to uh, have that kind of, you know, breakout year. Um, yeah, so the Wizards started Robin Lopez in his place. They look good tonight. Uh, we'll see how that goes in the future. But the, also, the Wizards also applied for a, a disabled player exception, um, which you can get if uh, the player doesn't. Well, in a normal season, the date is like June 30th or June 15th. I think for a player to come. I think it's June 15th for a player to come back from a disabled player exception, like to get it. And... It's different this year, but Thomas Bryant's definitely going to meet that criteria. So the Wizards are going to get 4.2-ish million, I think, in um, you know salary cap relief. Uh, but they still, um, he's still on the roster. Like the, his roster spot counts, so they're going to need to drop or waive uh, someone. And the one person they would waive is Andrix Pasix Nix, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Andrix Pasix Nix has his BPM right now. So um, Basketball Reference just recently came out with their BPM. And his BPM is uh, minus 45. Um, and then for those of you who don't know, like BPM is like an advanced stat that uh, Basketball Reference keeps. And like the worst players in the league usually have like about a minus 5. Um, and Andrix Pasix Nix is at minus 45. Like, obviously, that's not over a fair sample, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so if you're going to wave someone, wave him. Like, he gives you nothing. He's probably one of the worst players in the league. Um, he's not going <laughs> to – yeah, he can't play. Uh, so no offense to him also. Um, like, he's an NBA player, but he he doesn't give you anything. Um, so the one interesting name I think is out there for uh, – or I guess first I'll say the way the disabled player exception works is that um, you can – it gives you cap relief of however much uh, that is. So the Wizards have $4.2 million more to spend, and they can spend it on – uh, they can trade for someone in the last year of their contract or they can spend it on like a free agent. And the one free agent I think they should spend it on is Dwayne Dedman. Um, he's someone that got a couple seasons ago, we got a $15 million deal because uh, he played so well. I think it's three seasons ago now uh, with the Hawks. Um, he's someone that, you know, the theory behind him was blocking shots and protecting the rim. 
And then he came back. He got when he got I don't know, he got signed by the Kings and he was like terrible. He lost his starting spot to Rashawn Holmes pretty quickly and then he fell out of the rotation and then he got waived by you know, he got traded to the Hawks and then he got waived, something like that. And um now he's a free agent. If I were the Wizards, that's who I'd be going after with that disabled player exception. Um yeah, just to add another center off the bench because you can't rely on Mo Wagner and Robin Lopez forever. Uh hopefully you can get some, you know, inject some new life into there and maybe uh, find someone who can potentially be a starting level center. Like if you're starting Robin Lopez in the playoffs, that's not a good thing. And that's where the Wizards want to be. Um, yeah. And that's all I got for this time. Uh, please. Uh, then So the Wizards play the Jazz on Wednesday, uh, the 13th, I believe. Um, so tune into that game. I'll be doing another pod like this uh, right after that one. And yeah, that's all I got. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.